Good morning, everybody. You're listening to uh, Free Speech, uh, Stephen Kiru's Saturday show. And uh, by popular demands, once again, we have a uh, co-host with me today is uh, Miss Evelyn Cart, post-production manager of Warwick Valley Dispatch, the uh, the official paper of uh, Warwick. It's Hamlets and Villages. And uh, the paper that uh, Century Old has been in production since 1885, which makes it 136 years old today. Now we have uh, Evelyn Cart, who is uh, I always consider a soul and of uh, Warwick Valley Dispatch is uh, 94 years young, and uh, we've been uh, doing a pretty interesting uh, walk through Warwick in the village, and uh, I consider it sort of like a modern history, and it's uh, interesting to learn uh, the neighborhood and uh, the people that used to live there and the houses, how Warwick changed, and uh, Evelyn has been providing a very good insight into the past of the Warwick and how it's changed since. So, uh, Evelyn, once again, welcome to our show. Thank you. It's it's a pleasure. My to pleasure. Ha- pleasure <laughs> to have you here. Now, uh, we got a lot of uh, stuff uh, sort of like uh, prepped and ready, a little bit of trivia, um, Warwick-related, Halloween-related, a uh, chance to win some uh, prizes uh, from our sponsor, Sam's Meat Warehouse, and also free subscription to Warwick uh, Valley Dispatch, uh, a yearly subscription that will provide you with 52 issues of uh, things that's happening around in the neighborhood, that, that what's happening, where to go, all the resources, community resources, library, school. So, uh, folks, keep in mind and keep uh, Have that number on your speed dial. The number to the studio is 845-651-1110. And uh, we're essentially going to uh, begin and uh, just uh, stay tuned for the questions. If you know the answer, just give us a call. And uh, good luck winning those prizes. So <laughs> now, Evelyn, I know we uh, walked through some of it uh, downtown Warwick, and uh, you gave us a great insight what was happening. Uh, it seems like... Uh, Warwick always had a very robust uh, sort of like uh, economy and commerce. Uh, there was, uh, we learned there was more than uh, one grocery in, in a village. There was, mm-hmm. was more than one hotel uh, in the area. Uh, some of, more than one diner was a movie theater, a prison. Um, can you take us a little further? Can you uh, tell us what uh, was here and... Well, I think, uh, uh, first off, we went down one side of Main Street. I'd like to kind of look at the other side of Main Street now. Um, from the Methodist Church, or which is now called the Clock Tower, there used to be a house next there, uh, next to that building, and there were homes where, um, oh, what is it, Warwick Automotive is there now? Uh, Warwick Valley Automotive. War- Yeah, well, that's there. There used to be homes there. And uh, Mr. Maxwell lived there, Mr. and Mrs. Maxwell, and they had two daughters. And Mr. Maxwell was the caretaker of the church. And there was a carriage house in the back. And then as you went further down Main Street, there was a house between the Methodist Church or the clock tower. And then was the Ford Garage for She's Ford Garage. And next door to that was Gus Paddock and his wife. His wife had a gift shop there. And I have a 
a few souvenirs from there, and uh, Gus uh, had a record st- uh, shop there. Uh-huh. And then um, the next thing, I don't know, there was something in between there and the savings bank, which is now TD Bank. And years ago, there used to be a war memorial for the veterans of World War II. And, but it was wooden. It, it didn't last very long. They had sort of a garden there and uh, the, a wooden wall and the names were painted black on there. Right at the place where the TD Bank currently stands? And no, not where the... It, uh, but in between there and uh, Gus Paddock's music shop, there was... Now, uh, that little souvenir that you brought to the studio today, um, the, the, the records... Uh, is that was purchased there? Was no, that was purchased further down the st- on Main Street uh, in a place called Blackman's. And uh, I had bought, we had bought our son a record player for Christmas. And we got him some records. And he loved to play the records. He could play them by himself. And he knew how to operate the Victrola and stuff. And... Uh, he loved playing the records. Uh, he has, uh, well, I have copies of, uh, they were books with Hopalong Cassidy. I don't know if anybody remembers Hopalong Cassidy, but he was a Western star years ago. And uh, some of the stories, there would be a book in the front part of the album, and then as you played the record and told the story, you could follow in the book with the album, which is what this is, but it doesn't have the printed story in it. See, it's, it, it to me, it, it's uh, so much more charming than uh, nowadays you have a remote control from TV uh, <laughs> singing you and talking back to you. There's a uh, Alexa in every household. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And, and, and back in the days, you, you just mentioned that you know all those stories, you, you know the families, you know the stories. You uh, Now it's very trendy and uh, shop local seems to be the, uh, you know, the, the slogan of the mm-hmm. day. Without too much uh, hoopla, people uh, of your generation just supported each other, supported the commerce. Mm-hmm. They, they, you said uh, on a question when I asked you, what do you miss most from the back in the days for Warwick? And you well, said, <laughs> knowing everybody. Like I say, I miss the camaraderie, I guess you'd say, call it, uh, of knowing everyone or knowing what they were going to do and what their next move was and all that sort of thing. And I don't know how many people remember uh, that where Aikens is today, that used to be an ice cream parlor plus the drugstore part of it. And uh, I can remember my girlfriend and I, Ingrid Nystrom, her family was Swedish and they lived here in Warwick. She had a sister named Dini. And between us, we walked home from school every day, and between us, we had enough money to go to Aiken's and buy an ice cream sundae, but we didn't have enough for each of us to buy a sundae. So we asked Mr. Aiken's if we could have one sundae with two spoons, and he gave us two spoons, and we sat there and ate coffee ice cream with marshmallow on top. 
Oh my, you you remember. I I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but it's Well, uh, so I can't amazing. either. <laughs> I can't either, but some things come to mind and you never forget and Ingi was a very dear friend of mine and uh, I don't even know if she's still with us or not, but she, the last I knew she lived in Vancouver. Canada. I see. Well, maybe there's still a family around and anybody who's listening, please, uh, you know, give us a call to the studio once again, 651-1110. Or if you want to know a history of your neighborhood or the house or people that used to live before you or around you, once again, please give us a call. We have uh, sort of this tremendous uh, German expert, I, I would say, who, who remembers, uh, who will actually get the record straight and uh, tell you Something that you're not going to be able to read in those, um, you know, uh, guides around Warwick or pamphlets or something. There's so much more information, but none of it actually as local. I have been the resident to this area for over 20 years, and I'm still amazed how much I, I learn every day from people like Evelyn Cart. We drive around, and uh, it's always uh, this conversation that, uh, you know, I treasure so, so much and information that I get out of it. Well, I don't know if anyone remembers either that the, where Aikens is now, that used to be called Central House. And it used to, where they have it all glassed in upstairs, that used to be a, well, I call it a porch, I don't know, veranda or whatever. And uh, right next door to Mr. Aikens' place was Rosalind Moses' father had a dress shop there. So there was Aikens, and then there was a dress shop next to it, and then there was a set of stairs. Well, the stairs are still there, but they're all enclosed now. But Central House used to be a place where you could go and buy lunch or dinner and sit down and eat. And when we had a parade in Warwick, people used to congregate on the front porch and watch the parade go by because you could see down on Main Street. Sounds like a lot of uh, fun. You had a movie theater, you had parade, you have, uh, I, I bet you what you didn't have, you didn't have the problem that we all face in today that we became very dependent on uh, supply and supply chain. We're getting a lot of stuff from uh, China. Uh, mm. And if it's not difficult enough to bring it in, it's difficult enough to offload. It's sitting sometimes off the coast. Now it seems like Warwick was a very self-sustaining community. It had everything and everything one could desire, and uh, that uh, was building local economy, and people who lived here essentially had everything in, right in their fingertips. Mm. Well, mostly, uh, I was a farmer. I married a farmer, and I kind of grew up on a farm, really, uh, not because my parents had one, but because I married young, and, and I figure I grew up <laughs> once I got on the farm, but we didn't uh, we didn't grow vegetables or anything. We planted, you know, maybe in a field of corn, we'd plant two rows of potatoes or something like that. But we weren't vegetable farmers. That was mostly in the Pine Island area mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. But we always uh, there were so many grocery stores in Warwick. It was impossible not to have. Well, enough to eat, and I went, well, I went to high school during the World War II, and believe it or not, I helped hand out ration cards. I don't know if anybody remembers what ration books were, but we rationed sugar, 
and gasoline was rationed, and they and that was Park Avenue at the time, and uh, I was a senior in high school, and uh, I helped fill out papers for people and then handed out uh, the, the ration, ration cards. Book. Ration books. Uh, they were like stamps in a book, and each stamp was worth so many gallons of gas or so many pounds of sugar and, and that sort of thing. See, you have to be either uh, that... Uh, <clears throat> beautiful age that Evelyn is to remember things like that or grew up in a country like I grew up to remember because what you're describing I actually grew up in a former Soviet Union in a communist country and that's an everyday occurrence you didn't have to go through the hardship of World War II to to get introduced to something like this we had everything rationed so mm-hmm. uh, this is why you know I, I once again call for everybody to kind of realize, uh, you know, and count their blessings. Yes, how and lucky we are. 100%. And we I'm see lucky. every day that people had no idea. They're trying to rent an opinion and become, uh, you know, tell everybody how to live, including, uh, you know, you said you were a farmer. Uh, what's your take on the recent uh, the resident of Warwick who is calling farmers uh, rural people, thinking that they had to, you know, get things explained uh, in, in a slower words and in, in a kind of in a dumber fashion. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, that f- people realize what a rich community and with a rich history uh, it is here with the roots that go way back. Well, I, I don't like to get mixed up in politics or, or what other people think. I, I like to use my own mind and know what I want and I go by the way people treat me. I don't care whether they like this one or that one or the other one. If they treat me okay, they're all right. And until I know differently, to each his own is what I say. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And But, uh, you know, I'm uh, looking at the uh, Warwick Dispatch, such a long-standing, century-old uh, hometown paper has been attacked you know, and uh, like I said, it's sad. Sometimes, see, it's pe- people uh, politicize way too much, uh, try to bring uh, the element that really we don't need in our everyday life. And uh, I guess everybody should just uh, see what's happening and uh, realize for themselves, make the right choice, because every election has consequences, as we like to say. That's true. Uh, speaking about uh, Russian in sugar, uh, this is actually has a connection to uh, where we are today. Uh, we are on a, uh, Halloween's Eve. And during World War II, actually, trick-or-treating that became uh, very popular, but then uh, sort of like uh, uh, halted. World War II halted because exactly mm-hmm. for the reason, the, the rationing of sugar. But uh, so anyway, we uh, wanted to uh, throw in a little bit of uh, information regarding uh, Halloween and... Uh, I want to ask a question. Everybody knows that uh, Halloween was introduced uh, or helped popularize the holiday in the United States by immigrants from a specific country. So if you know uh, which country, please give us a call. Maybe you can give us a little bit of backstory. If not, we will help you out. But there also has been a tradition, and trick-or-treating has existed since medieval times, uh, like over 2,000 years ago. That trick-or-treating was inspired by a tradition called and I have two names, actually, that uh, back in the medieval uh, period, uh, you know, that tradition of uh, singing or dancing in exchange for food or money, 
it uh, has a specific term for that. So if you can name one of the two, you will win the year subscription to Warwick Valley Dispatch and $25 uh, to Sam's Meat Warehouse, which seems to be like a perfect day to do something today. Open up a paper, uh, have uh, something in the oven that would make the whole house smell good. Unfortunately, we got a little bit of a rainy morning. Uh, they're predicting a little bit more rain outside, but uh, when I grew up, we had a saying that which means, in uh, translating from Russian, uh, nature doesn't have a bad uh, weather. <laughs> it's just what you want to do. Uh, it's not a perfect day to go hiking or do work outside, but I think it's a perfect day to open up a newspaper, watch old movies, maybe read a book. Once mm -hmm. again, fire up uh, the fireplace, uh, get the fire cracking, and uh, just enjoy a day off. But I, I, uh, I guess my ability to read and... Uh, my favor in reading came late in life because I never used to like to read when a book report was due in school or anything like that because every book was, you were told what you could read and then you had to write a report on it. And now I, I like to read romance novels or a mild mystery story and gosh, I have so many books at home. I couldn't. <laughs> I sometimes read a paperback in a weekend because I get tied up in the story and I can't put the book down. So I keep reading. Uh, and my daughter keeps me in books. That's for sure. And uh, I just enjoy reading so much now. And I I wished I had enjoyed it in high school as much as I do now, I probably would have made out a lot better on my reports than I did. <laughs> well, we can talk more about this right after the break. Foodies are all flocking to Sam's Meat Warehouse. Sam's offers the finest selection of prime meats in New York and New Jersey. Whether Wagyu or Frank Burgers, prime fillets or Delmonico's, pork chops or prime rib, Sam's, located in the village of Florida, is the jewel of New York and New Jersey for those who will settle for nothing less than the best. Learn about where your meat comes from, recipes, and incredible pricing. For specials and giveaways, visit Facebook at Sam's Meat Warehouse. This is Allie Berman inviting you to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. on Winning Together with the number one team of personal injury attorneys at Sobo & Sobo. Call or text into the show and get answers to all your questions right here on Radio Worth Listening To. This is Lisa Morrison inviting you to tune in to a happy medium every Thursday at 12 noon to connect with loved ones who've passed or ask about your love life, job, family, or treasured lost items. Call in or text in right here on Radio Worth Listening To. And we're back with uh, free speech, and you're listening to Stephen Keeter and Evelyn Cart uh, talking about the uh, past of the Warwick, uh, the Halloween, the related stories. Uh, Evelyn was saying uh, her love of reading, and I uh, honestly, I told you during the break, I think you should be uh, writing. You should start <laughs> writing stories. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I don't think anybody would be interested in any story he, that I have. I, I certainly disagree because uh, <laughs> those fun facts, those uh, you know, trivia uh, things, it, it's it, it's like that memories, that that stories that you know. I think uh, you should you should tell those stories. 
Yeah, I I guess I should, but uh, most people that are around now don't don't remember back then, and the young people today, they aren't interested. Yeah, but because uh, you know all the information comes from the the smartphones. Like I said, they everybody's busy massaging them. Uh, you know, nobody's busy talking or having a conversation. And no. I think this is what <laughs> this program is all about. Um, but certain things uh, don't change. I ask you. Uh, what was Halloween like? And you said, just like what people do today. <laughs> oh, boy. It, Halloween was a little more disastrous when I was a youngster. Uh, kids did things they shouldn't do on Halloween, and uh, it was a mischievous day. Oh, yeah, yes. And uh, uh, some of it wasn't as good as it could have been. <laughs> some of the fellas did some rascally things in those days <laughs> yeah mischief night uh, as it been known it's actually uh, somewhat deeply rooted in uh, on this coast it never actually went uh, some holidays yeah. they made uh, through through the ocean uh, was brought by immigrants to this country make it uh, popular but some uh, just never kind of traveled it's it's in pennsylvania new jersey and new york where mischief nights or devil's night <laughs> actually uh, were somewhat popular yeah, I know. Uh, when I was small, and my parents, they didn't uh, do much for Halloween, except maybe they would have some candy, because in those days, you couldn't really afford candy. You were lucky to get a penny. I know my grandmother used to tell me some. my mother would give me a penny for something I did, or my grandfather would give me a penny, and she'd make me put it in a sugar bowl in the dish closet. And then when I got five pennies, she would give it to me and tell me I could go to Doogie's, which was on Main Street, was an ice cream parlor and a candy store. And they always had fresh fruit displayed out in front. It was like a slanted box and they had Naval oranges, oh, the size of grapefruit that I remember. Oh, they were so delicious. And he'd have apples all shined and bananas and pears and things outside. But you could go in there and get penny candy. He had a display on top of the counter, and each candy cost a penny. I see. And my five cents bought me five candies. <laughs> <laughs> now, back in those days, what else could uh, five cents buy you? Well, I don't remember other than buying candy with it. That but seven, seven cents bought a loaf of bread then at the AMP. Oh, look at that. Yeah, seven cents a loaf AMP bread was. And that was uh, on the corner of McEwen Street and Main Street. And it was funny because the clerks there didn't seem to handle money. When, they, when you got your groceries and they... Uh, the canned goods was in back, and you said, well, you would like a can of corn. Well, the clerk would go and get a can of corn, put that on the counter. And when it came time to pay, they would have a receipt kind of thing or a bill, and it went into a little cup, and they'd press a button, and the cup would go up to the ceiling and across on a, well, like a cable, and the uh, clerk up in there would make your change or whatever, and then back, the back. back on the cable and down, and you got your change. 
and they had a grocery side in there and a meat side and a little section for produce, uh, not like they have today in the grocery store. No, nowadays you can pay uh, not just with money, you can pay with your watch, with your cart, with some people get the chips imprinted, uh, put on the skin, they can pay with a touch. It's uh, certainly not as uh, no, that's for <laughs> simple sure. as used to be back in the old days. Speaking about candy, uh, here's a little trivia that um, people might not be aware of, but uh, Americans' favorite candy on Halloween has been uh, by candystore.com, uh, where Skittles. So, Skittles. Skittles. But there's uh, least favorite candy, and uh, I want to uh, see if anybody who's listening can uh, give us uh, their best shot or guess. And that also, uh, candy has an original name, and uh, I want to see if people can name the candy or give us an alternative name for it. And uh, for a chance to win yearly subscription to Warwick Valley Dispatch and a $25 gift certificate to Sam's Meat Warehouse. The number to the studio is 651-1110, and we're looking forward to hear from you. Yeah, well, my favorite candy is anything made with chocolate. I don't care if it's milk chocolate, dark chocolate, or what. Now, Penny, would that be a chocolate candy back in the days? Oh, yeah. It was chocolate. You could get an oblong candy with nougats. Uh That was sort of a stiff marshmallow with nuts in it, and you could get a caramel, you could get a peppermint, you could get a vanilla candy. and There's not much you can get for a penny today. Uh, I don't know anything. (laughs) Uh, for 50 of them, you can get a copy of the Warwick Valley Dispatch still, uh, as you could for the past 30 years, but uh, not m- not much of anything no, else. No, I don't think there's anything around. Not in Warwick or any place else for a penny. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Now, uh, I do remember um, reading, in, uh, but, uh, you know, and I always want to ask you, uh, I know Atkins used to be uh, like a nice uh, cream parlor, but also a uh, soda fountain. What is that? I always wanted to, to kind of like try to imagine. What is uh, a soda, soda fountain. fountain? What is it like? They, oh gosh. Is it a fountain of soda? Well, it's like, a, I don't know how to explain it. The, the soda, they used to put flavoring, put the ice cream in a tall glass with flavoring in the bottom. And then they, they had, a, well, maybe three or four Fountains, they called them, and you pulled the handle, and that made the fizzy part of the soda. Uh-huh. It would foam up to the top, and that's what an ice cream. Sort of like was. a dispenser. It wasn't uh, really. Yes, a, it was carbonated. I don't know if it was soda or uh, root beer was one of the flavors, and a vanilla and chocolate. You could get soda. They had different flavors, and they put that in like a syrup. In the glass. Now, back in the days, that was a fancy drink, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> it was for a teenager. <laughs> I don't know about elderly people thought it was a fancy drink, but teenagers thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Now, that was uh, sort of like, you know, a little past the turn of the century, because I think uh, sodas actually has been invented some, some, somewhat on the turn of the century. So, well, that was a novelty, was it? Uh, not so much. Well, it wasn't a novelty to me. Uh, it was my grandfather uh, run a bar and grill 
in uh, Warwick. In fact, it's uh, where the telephone company is now. WVT. And, Warwick Valley Telephone. Yeah. And, uh, but it was back from where the building is. Uh, there used to be apartments upstairs. There was a building there, and they had apartments upstairs. And Donnelly's uh, had a gift shop. Mr. Donnelly had a liquor store there. And there was a shoe store in the bottom and apartments on the second and third floors. And um, next door to that was John Barrett's restaurant. And that was uh, the next building. And he had a diner-type section in one part. And then there was a front door, which went up to the apartments on the second floor. And then he had a dining room. And they were connected in the back. And uh, so if someone had to sit in the, wanted to sit in the dining room, there was a way to get in there. But the one section was like a diner. It had some tables, but it was had the stools and the counter and everything there. And he was there for a long time. And he lived, he lived down on Route 94 just before you get to ShopRite. Now, you said that there was more than one diner in, in Warwick. And the characteristics of the diner is that uh, open 24-7. Mm-hmm. Essentially, was that that kind of place? No, no, it was not. It it, it just you had a it, big menu. You could order whatever yeah, you like. Yeah, and my we lived upstairs from from over John Barrett's. Yeah, and was it a busy place? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yes, it was. There was John Barrett's, and then there was the di- the diner in Warwick at that time. I don't remember there being any um, like a lot of restaurants like there is now where you could pick and choose where you wanted to eat and where you wanted to sit and so forth. But uh, John Barrett's was a very popular place to go eat. And uh, my grandfather had the bar and grill there. And I remember a gentleman, his name was Mead Palou. And he would come in, well, I won't say every day, but he'd come in often. And he always ordered a cheese sandwich just plain cheese sandwich and then he'd have a glass of beer with the sandwich and that was his lunch that's a good combination <laughs> <laughs> but you could tell if you saw him walking down the street you, well, exactly. you better start preparing <laughs> mead's sandwich because that's he didn't Deviate. stray no he, that no, was it that was no, his thing that was his routine a cheese sandwich and uh, he was a dear elderly man, yeah. And my my grandfather had a dance hall in the back, and I wasn't allowed in the bar part of the this establishment. But when they had a, a dance on a Saturday night or a Friday night, <clears throat> Bill Kelly used to play. There was Bill Kelly and Dolly Ryerson, and there was Wally Ward played. And my grandfather had a little stage built up with a curtain around, and the three or four men there would play square dances and round dances. And the Coates family, they had three or four kids, and they would come, and we wouldn't have our own set with just our kids. But my grandfather said, don't come out in the bar. I don't want you out here. So (laughs) that's why we stayed in the back and danced. Now, I heard something new that I'm not familiar with. What's a square dance, and how is it different from a round dance? 
Oh, boy. <laughs> that is a lot of explaining to do. I call, uh, you know, there's dignified square dancing. And then oh, this there, undignified, like sort of like a dirty dancing? And then there's the kind of square dancing that we used to do at my grandfather's place. And that's kind of wild. But you had to know the calls. But I got involved in dignified square dancing when I was working at King's School. And Ethel Waitson was a kindergarten teacher there. And uh, she asked, why don't you and Purse come and square dance with us? And we were known as Orange Squares. <laughs> the and couple, you mean? Or the, there was no, some sort it, of team? No, the, the organization was known as uh -huh. Orange Squares. I don't know. Maybe they're still in existence. I don't know about them. But um, they practiced over at Montgomery High School. And boy, what a big organization that is. In fact, Wendy Bynum Wade, her mom sold square dance dresses from her house. And they're a fancy kind of Western, I don't know, dress. I've got at least a dozen home yet. And you wore these big fluffy petticoats underneath and the little petty pants were all ruffles and everything. And you had uh, what they call square dance shoes, which are just a a flat, uh, soft shoe that you wore on your feet. And um, Wendy Bynum's mom, she was in Orange Squares, her and her father, and I knew that's how come I knew, well, I didn't know Wendy then, but that's how come I know Wendy is from her mom dad. So it was very popular. Oh, yes, it was. The Orange Squares was uh, a really... Uh, nice organization and we had more fun but i call that dignified square dancing because <laughs> you did when you danced at my grandfather's you kind of grabbed the woman and the man and and you swung them around like crazy if you did that at orange squares they'd probably ban you from the so club it's, um, what, what is it is, is that a ballet uh no dancing? but it's a couple dance it's it, it's it, a couple's dance and uh a square involves four couples and mm. you L man left and you swing your partner and all kinds of, and every, um, there's d different calls for every dance. And you have a lot of fun. And it's, You had a lot of fun, I can oh, tell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially the old-fashioned square dancing. Oh, boy, all that right. was a lot of fun. I would love to get more about it uh, right after we come from the break. <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, anybody knows how to square dance. Sam's Mead Warehouse has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale meat, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. I'm gonna make this place your home. This is Christine Koenig, Grace Warren, Dave Wilner of Howard Hanna Rand Realty and the hosts of The Real Real Estate Show. Mondays at 10 a.m. It's radio worth listening to. You have a car problem? Maybe it's a mechanic problem. Maybe it's not. 
Sounds like a job for me, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. That's right. Sunday morning today. Get up early. Let's hang out. Let's talk about cars. Let's all get smarter. Let's solve some car problems. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here Sunday mornings at 8. WTBQ GHT Weather. Remaining cloudy for the afternoon with a few showers and some spotty drizzle, 55 to 60. Cloudy tonight with showers, especially early, then some patchy fog late, 45 to 50. Sunday will be somewhat drier, although a shower or two is still possible. There will be some intervals of sun around or just over 60, mostly sunny Monday. From the WTBQ Weather Center, I'm WeatherWorks meteorologist John Leo. WTBQ. And we're back with the free speech, and we're listening to Evelyn Cart, uh, remembering uh, good old days of uh, square dancing. Apparently, there was a dignified and not so uh, dignified version of it, and it's very different from uh, round dancing. Oh, yes, very different. <laughs> with the square dancing, uh, there's a, what they call a set of four couples, and uh, I kind of prefer the undignified square dancing myself you have a lot more <laughs> more fun but uh they're both a good time and i remember orange squares with nothing but fond memories and my husband and i were lucky enough to become president of orange squares at one time and when people came they they learned had to learn how to do the different dances and then we had a graduation ceremony and everything. And my husband liked to tool leather, and he made belts for the people that danced. And that time, when we were president, when it come time for that class to graduate, he made every person, every couple that was to graduate, he made them a cap like the kids wear today for graduation. And he made them a cap and put it together and sewed it. And it was uh, orange squares printed on the top of it. And he tooled uh, leather. He made belts for a clogging group that we made. And that is country western tap dancing is what clogging is. I see. And we were in that for years, too. Now, maybe there's still some of those, uh, maybe there's uh, somebody is passing along uh, through generation, one of those orange square hat that has been I made, do, do you I think? Have, uh, maybe there's people around? I don't know if I have one at home or not. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know if I have one home and or not. And this is what I mean. This is a wonderful story that uh, needs to be told. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my husband uh, tooled leather a lot, and for the clogging group, he made all the men in the group uh, belts we were known as um, country mountain cloggers so he made belts and colored them we had different outfits different colored outfits we wore the square dancing clothes and we clogged here for the centennial uh-huh. and we square danced up in stanley deming park and i got the kentucky moonshiners to come and play <laughs> the music for us and uh now, was that a local group? No, they were from um, up above Middletown. Uh, I don't know the name. It's just a small little hamlet off of uh, 211, and they lived there. And uh, in fact, uh, when they had their 60th anniversary, 
my husband and I had Clay Boone. I don't know if you know them. They were from Sugarloaf. And he I, was I heard the name. He was uh, a, a sign maker. Woodcarver, yes. Woodcarver. Mm -hmm. And I had a picture of the Kentucky Moonshiners, so I took took the picture to him and had we had him make a plaque for the Kentucky Moonshiners. And, oh, it was, I don't know, maybe three foot long or something. And he, he painted it the color of the shirts and stuff on it, and we gave it to them for their 60th anniversary. And would you believe they liked it so much? If you go up to Middletown where, uh, oh, gosh, I don't know where it was, what's the name of the road, but it's a cemetery out there. And they had that wooden plaque. They had a replica of it made on their headstone. Wow! And it's 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 beautiful. And and uh, it's a great story. It, yeah. it really is. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. You, I know you like to read. You should develop a habit to write. <laughs> Let so people can read and and uh, get the stories. Like this is the first uh, that I hear uh, of uh, square and round <laughs> dancing, <laughs> the different version of it, and well, it, it does sound like fun. a lot of fun. That's for sure. It's a lot of fun, especially the old kind of square dancing, because I mean you can twirl your girlfriend around and let go of her and uh, and especially the one where it, it says duck for the oyster duck for the clam <laughs> oh boy that's a good one and uh, we used to have more fun we my husband and i we when we got to lead the bunch we would go break up other sets and go under their arms and stuff and well just raise cane <laughs> <laughs> See, now everybody, I, I guess, uh, you know, it, uh, the things are a bit different uh, today. The the best uh, friend is, uh, I guess, your phone and uh, and, and Alexa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can oh, talk to all the time. Don't talk about Alexa. My, my youngest granddaughter and her husband have got Alexa in the home. And I didn't know what Alexa was. I still don't know what it is. But my grandson-in-law, he... He says, Alexa, do something, and it happened. And I thought, what did you do just then? And he said, he told Alexa what to do. I said, yeah, but how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> and he gave it a command, and sure enough, it happened. Yeah, technology, technology. Well, um, I guess uh, we, we still don't have a winner, so I'm going to give a little bit of a hint. The uh, America's least favorite candy, according to candystore.com, is candy corn. It's an old candy dating back. It does have uh, an original name uh, when it was first popularized around the end of the 19th century. You, I bet you know it. Please don't give it away. We'll, I, <laughs> oh, you I, don't? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it, it, it does have, so uh, candy corn, it's more of a modern version of the same candy that used to have a different name at the turn of 19th century. So if anybody who's listening know the answer, please give us your best uh, shot, so to speak, and uh, we'll give you a chance to win a yearly subscription to Warwick Valley Dispatch and a $25 gift certificate from our sponsor, Sam's Meat Warehouse. All right, so back in, in the days, uh, it, it seems like a lot of, a lot of work. First of all, it's a farm community. Uh, I don't know how you find uh, time to, to dance and do all those funny things and to leather and, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, apparently you did. Yes. And uh, 
after we retired from the school and we sold the cows and the farm and stuff, we have a shed up by our house. And my husband and I used to do woodwork. Mm -hmm. And he would uh, make uh, reindeer. And when my daughter was born, I kind of got ahead of my story there. When my daughter was born and we lived down in the house, which is now County Parkland, um, he made a whole set of reindeer. He sent away for it, and it was a, a paper pattern. He traced it on plywood, and the pattern showed him how each Cut section was uh, to be painted and stuff. And he made it for my daughter when she was an infant. And he had Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We put a red light on his nose that lit up at night. And, oh, gosh, we put angels on our front steps. And then he made a life-size nativity scene that we put on our side of the lawn. In fact, there's, I don't know what year it was, but there's a write-up in the Warwick paper, the dispatch, of course, about Warwick's it. favorite paper. It was on the, the front page of the paper, and we would have won first prize, but being as we weren't in the village, we did not. But we had the whole, we decorated our side of the lawn, and our neighbors were the uh, Herb and Rilla Baum, and we put this sleigh and the reindeer and packages in the sleigh and with Santa Claus and everything, and then the life-size nativity scene, and... We brought the building of the uh, nativity scene up on a hay wagon mm -hmm. because it was, it was that big, huh? It was that big, but it wasn't only maybe a couple feet deep, but uh, we brought it up on the hay wagon and between my husband and myself and my mother-in-law, we drug it up and got it up. <laughs> it was like building a barn. It was so big and heavy, but... We got it up, and uh, we used to put everything up, and then we used to pipe music out with loudspeakers on the front. I don't know how the neighbors thought the music was, but they liked to have us tone it down. But that was Christmas for us. We always made a big thing of Christmas with our children. Now, what happened? Uh, to, does that become a family uh, heirloom? Is that to get past? You know... I don't even know where the building is now. It's probably someplace down behind one of the barns my daughter has. But the reindeer and the sleigh and the Santa Claus, that's in, that's in a barn down where my daughter lives. The paint's a little chipped and stuff, but uh, when we moved up where we are now, we used to put the reindeer out. We never went to the trouble of putting the whole display out, but we put the reindeer in between the Christmas trees and stuff like that. I remember... When we first moved up there, my mother brought me uh, a tree, and she had she worked at the five and ten in Warwick for Mr. and Mrs. George Benson, and they lived up two houses from the Presbyterian Church. And Mrs. Benson had been in the hospital. And my mother gave her a small decorated Christmas tree with lights on it and everything. It was only about uh, two three feet high. And she said, oh, she couldn't keep it in the house any longer. She wanted to give it back to my mother. So we had just built our house, and she brought the tree over, and we planted it by where the deck is now, by the garage door. And George Arnott, you must know the name George Arnott. He was worked on the 
police force in Warwick and stuff. And uh, George Arnott lived down in Homestead Village. And he says, boy, Evelyn, that I tree. I know George Arnott. Yes. Yeah. And he said, you know, it's like having our own community tree because we decorated that tree every year with colored <laughs> lights. And uh, he said, it's just like having our own community tree to see that light or that tree lit up up there. Now, is that still around, that tree? Oh, yes, but it's too high to decorate now. <laughs> it got so tall, my husband couldn't go up the ladder and trim it. But it, it looks like it's dying, but I think it's, I think now it's, um, well, I guess it's that kind of a tree because mm-hmm. I'll tell you, it fills my leaders with pine needles and I have to get up and clean it out every once in a while because it plugs the drain. God bless you. When you were telling me the, sto- uh, the story, they actually, uh, I think you did uh, <laughs> a little while ago, right? I found it fascinating, and uh, the, our listeners, uh, I, I hope many of them know you personally. It's just amazing to see what, what an upbeat spirit and uh, how capable you are physically to climb up the ladder and clean up uh, the gutters at 94 years old. I wish everybody could do that. Uh, we're going to discuss and talk more about it right after the break. is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old-world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. The Warwick Valley Dispatch has been run by the same family since 1885 and is your local newspaper covering Warwick, Goshen, Monroe, Middletown, and all the great towns, villages, and neighborhoods in Orange County. The Dispatch reports on all the news that affects residents, organizations, and businesses throughout the county. So if you want to promote your business or organization, email editor at wvdispatch.com. Shop local. Subscribe to the Warwick Valley Dispatch. This is Rocket Richie, the play-by-play guy. The only place you can listen live to Warwick Wildcats football is right here on WTBQ. Brought to you by St. Anthony Community Hospital, Sam's Mead Warehouse, The Computer Guy, and The Breezy. This is Jeff Berkman, and I invite you to tune in to the Wednesday Morning Roundtable on Radio Worth Listening To, New Jersey and Orange Free Radio. Free to express your opinions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. WGHT Pompton Lakes, your community radio station since 1969. And we're back with the free speech, and you're listening to me, Stephen Keeter, and uh, Evelyn Cart uh, discussing uh, good old days uh, when the square dancing was popular. And I believe we do have a caller online. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? My name is Becky, and I'm from Warwick. Good morning, Becky. Uh, I'm uh, guessing you have an answer to the question. Which one? I would like to say chicken feed. 
chicken feet it is. Oh, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Now, Evelyn, did you know that? No, I did not. It's always been candy corn to me. I didn't know it, it was It was original uh, name for the candy was chicken feet. So, uh, Becky, congratulations. $25 gift certificate to Sam's Meat Warehouse and yearly subscription to Warwick Valley Dispatch, Warwick's favorite paper. Terrific. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, I love listening to WTBQ. Thank oh, you very yes. much. Stay online and uh, give please details, uh, your mailing address, so we can uh, properly address that uh, subscription. You can uh, receive it every week. Terrific. Thank you ever so much. My pleasure. Thank you for calling. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Oh, wonderful. That wasn't... Uh, I never knew that was oh, chicken really? feed. Oh, chicken yeah. feed. No. Uh, an, an original uh, <laughs> name for the uh, candy, car, uh, candy, uh, blah, blah, candy corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we do still have a uh, couple of questions uh, still available for, for grabs alongside with the subscription to Warwick Valley Dispatch and uh, the gift certificates to Sam's Meat Warehouse. There was uh, trick-or-treating has existed since medieval times and was inspired by tradition called, and we have two names, either one will do, and also the to help uh, popularize uh, Halloween in the United States, it's, you know, like in every bad thing, there was a good thing. So there was uh, sort of like a disaster that drove the flow of uh, immigrants to this country, and alongside with it, they brought up the tradition. So if you know which country, that exodus happened, and uh, you know maybe a little bit of backstory. Once again, there's a gift certificate and a subscription to Warwick Valley Dispatch. So, <laughs> all right. Now we were uh, talking uh, about the, the uh, from what uh, looks like very vibrant commerce uh, of uh, village of Warwick. Uh, everybody uh, was sort of involved. Everybody knew everybody. Uh, was a lot of competition? Uh, yeah, I guess you'd call it competition. I don't know. You went to the store who had what you wanted. That's all. Some stores had some things and some, what, some had others. I, I remember Mr. Stein had a grocery store. I believe it probably was housed where Frank's Pizza is now. Mm, okay. I think that's where it was. And then you had the Grand Union, and the AMP was on the corner of Main and McCune Street. And then you had Rainer's, which is, well, I guess Rainer's where Rainer Real Estate is now. And I remember my grandfather always used to go down there every Sunday morning, and he'd either get some sausage or a slice of ham or something for breakfast, and he always made me eat the fat rind. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't like fat. And he said, well, that's part of the ham, so you <laughs> you have to eat it. So I ate, now I like the fat around the ham. But there used to be, oh my gosh, I can taste the cinnamon buns now. There used to be a bakery where the, the dress shop is now. Um, I can't think of the name of the the dress shop but the two gentlemen run it mm-hmm. there on main street and that used to be oh yeah 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 um style council yes and uh it was krish's and Tim. Mm-hmm. it was krish's bakery and when they made fresh cinnamon buns they didn't make them square like they do today 
they made them in the oblong shape. Mm -hmm. And you took a knife and sliced it down the middle, and you could toast it or you could just put slather the butter on it, and oh, boy, they were the best things dunked in your coffee <laughs> or whatever <laughs> you had for breakfast. I didn't drink coffee much in those days. My grandparents didn't think I should drink coffee, so I probably had hot cocoa. But anyway, they were delicious. But he had a full-scale bakery there. And then um, it came, became a barbershop. Gus Weiss had a barbershop there. And now it's the Style Council. Style Council, yeah. And then there was uh, Grahowski had a bakery over where G's used to be when it was down on Main Street, further down Main Street, next to Rainers. I guess it would be down there someplace. And he, Grahowski's had a, a bake shop there, too. Now, Rainer, uh, they still have a sign, uh, and it uh, has a pig on it. Yeah. Was that a butcher, more of a butcher shop, or well, more like a meat department it store? It was uh, more like a butcher shop, but you could, you could buy a few groceries there. But they used to deliver to uh you know more uh -huh. elite in town and uh and uh they were they had a truck a rainer's truck used to deliver the groceries around town a serious operation and uh i remember um there used to be a uh, a man come around the house and sell blankets and that sort of thing in fact i have a blanket called it's a double blanket they call it And what it is is like two blankets together, and they're fastened as one at the foot of what would be the foot of the bed. Uh -huh. the, the blankets, two blankets, and it's fastened into one, and you call it a double blanket. And uh, he used to come around and sell blankets and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know what they called him, but there was a name for him. And uh, used to be a, ve a vegetable and fruit truck would come around, and they'd park in front of our house and go to houses around the area and uh, sell fruit and vegetables. Yeah, that's how milk was delivered back in any days. Well, um, we ha we never had milk delivered to our house because my mother went to the grocery store and got milk if she wanted I see. it, and. Uh, But I do remember living out on the farm there in the, well, what I call the big house. It's, it's county parkland now. But when Mr. Nielsen first run that farm, he had a creamery there that bottled milk and pasteurized it. And then they had trucks that delivered it. And there was a place out on the far side of it i don't know if the building is still there now we used to call it the bullpen that's where they kept the bulls but they um they eventually uh did that over and made it into two apartments and farm help lived there and then it wasn't uh the, he didn't deliver milk there anymore but then his his daughter and her husband took it over and but they always had guernsey cows there and you know i always wanted to ask you uh, i did some work uh, downtown in a village and uh, during excavation we did excavate a lot of uh and i think we touched it in one of the previous programs we got a lot of oyster shells and then you uh, sort of uh, clarified it and you said there was a bar that yeah. uh, you know 
And another item that came out uh, a lot uh, that was unearthed uh, is what uh, was glass bottles. And it had a logo on it, and it says Warwick Bottling Works. Do you remember uh, uh, sort of like a bottle could, manufacturing or soda manufacturing? Uh, that could be Howard Bunn. Yeah, he used to live over and well, he had a a bottling place and an ice house and stuff over in back of where Doc Beers was a veterinary at the time, and uh, he he had it over in that vicinity, but that uh-huh. was on South Street, and um, that could be from there. Um, Bec- uh, the bottles were sort of like uh, it, it's a beautiful you, you can almost see the the uh, I don't know if it's handmade or how it's produced but you you see the uh, just like you do a little distorted uh, you, you see it trapped uh, air bubbles in it oh yeah and there was a funny kind of cork that looks like a little loop with a little bit of cork uh, I've never seen this uh, Soda bottles. Uh, I was told they were uh, sealed like that, bottled up. Well, there there used to be the way they did it was there was a cork, but then there was like a metal clasp, and that fit. You'd put the cork in the top of the bottle, and then the clasp would snap Over the neck. down, and and that would drive the cork down into the bottle so that uh-huh. it was tight. They have a. Some similar to uh, that today. Uh, they yeah, German make. beer, uh, I believe, comes uh, just like that. No, that was a little, it looks like a little, uh, because you, you could still see the, the sort of like the cork, the part of it inside the bottle, but it has kind of like a loop, like a pigtail that you can uh, either uh, mm. pull it or close it. And uh, I was told that the soda were, were uh, bottled uh, in yeah, that fashion. They, that was Howard, Howard Bunn. He used to live bottled soda back there. Oh, look at that. <laughs> We're learning more about the neighborhood. Now, you said uh, which neighborhood uh, was called Dublin? And oh, that's up off of uh, Grand Street and Locust Street. It's, um, it goes, well, when you go up by the hospital, which is Grand Street, mm-hmm. it's up above uh, Shavir Pavilion. Pavilion, and you turn on to Woodside Drive. And it go, it just makes a loop up around, and it comes exits on Locust Street, and that was where my great grandfather and grandmother lived, and my aunt uh, Kate used to live there, and there used to be a family by the name of Wood, and uh, in fact, their daughter, Wood's daughter Carol, uh, she married one of the Ball brothers. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Ball Brothers, but I guess they're all gone now. But uh, she married Pete Ball. Yeah. Now, the, the, do you know the familiar with the story, with the origin? Why Dublin? Uh, mostly Irish I, folks living I don't in? know why it was called Dublin, because there weren't that many people living there at the time. Uh, and none of the development was done on, on uh, Woodside Drive at that time. Uh, but um, what we... everybody always said, well, let's go up to Dublin and see Grandpa, and that's what we did. <laughs> I don't know why it was called Dublin, but it was. No, I, I heard it from many uh, different sources. Uh, it's definitely a thing. Uh, and uh, you just, uh, you know, confirming. It, it's, uh, it's unfortunate there's really no research or, or studies exist, uh, you know, because it, it, it makes a very interesting story. Now, there's another, you said there was a, 
building called Oddfellows? Yeah, that's it's still there. It's still oh, there. Oh, it's still there. Uh, yes. And you know, that's another thing. During World War II, they had a tower up there. I don't think it was on the Oddfellows building, but it was on maybe on a town hall or something. But they used to have a small building, and they would observe if there was airplanes in the area or anything. And um, Mr. Quackenbush from Belle Vale, he... That's an old Warwick name. Yes, Quackenbush is a very old name, Warwick. But Mr. Quackenbush, uh, he used to head had that uh, group of people, and if there was uh, anything strange going on during World War II... Oh, sort of like a militia. They, they, would, they would sound the alarm, and you had to make sure your lights were out and uh, your shades were pulled, and they, they kept watch over the village from that van point up there. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, I don't know if the little, little shack is there yet or not, but... Well... I certainly would love to discuss it more, so please tune in uh, for the next week episode. I hope uh, Evelyn will once again join us and give us more insight into Pest of the Warwick. So uh, thank you again for listening. Free speech every Saturday, 11 a.m.